Well, we certainly don't have the hype surrounding National Signing Day that we used to before the early signing period, but still a good chance to take a look at where all these teams are after National Signing Day. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. And while I ask one favor of you guys each and every week, please, uh, we're starting to get more of them, by the way. There was a little bit of a lull there, but now we got more ratings and reviews coming through on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. And don't be concerned. The uh, review takes a couple of days to show up on iTunes, so you'll see it there soon enough, or you can just send it to me before you hit the send button. That's the other way to do it. But thank you guys so much. It really does mean the world to me. We appreciate it. So let's look at where the recruiting rankings are. And I like to use 247 Sports. I know last week I mentioned ESPN, but I always like to use 247 Sports. Just the side I've been most comfortable using here over the past several years since the show has started. And Texas closed out with the top recruiting class in the Big 12 at number nine in the nation with OU a very close second at 10th in the nation as well. Now, Texas did this by only signing 18 commits, by the way. So when you look at that, you say, okay, Texas signed 18 commits, OU signed 23. But clearly, for Texas, those are very high-quality commits because of the teams in the top 10, they have by far the least amount of commits. Georgia, number one, 25. Alabama, 26. Clemson, 23. Auburn 26 so you get the idea Texas the only team with less than 23 commits in the top 10 in the final recruiting ranking so that's a great sign for Tom Herman you know Texas's problem has never been recruiting right so I know some of you are going to be out there and you're going to be like well who cares Texas has a top 10 class every year and you know outside of 2018 it's an eight and four program seven and five program I understand that I totally am sympathetic to it. But it was a big deal for Tom Herman to come off this season that was a disappointing season and not lose that momentum on the recruiting trail. And to his credit, he didn't. He did not lose that momentum, which is a big, big deal. He's got a five-star guy, Bijan Robinson out of Arizona, running back. So that running back class or group this season's going to be stacked, absolutely stacked. It was obviously a, a tough spot for him last year due to injuries and whatnot, but it should be a stacked running back room this year for the Texas Longhorns. So that's one good sign for this Texas team. And for Tom Herman, hey, he's got no excuses, by the way. I mean, this is the year for Tom Herman. That great 2018 class has a couple of years under its belt. It's now upperclassmen, especially in that secondary, guys like Caden Stearns and others. He's got his quarterback, who's an upperclassman now, heading into his final year, and Sam Ellinger. He's got to capitalize on that. I mean, he has to, absolutely has to. And you know what? I mean, you can't control injuries, but if you're Tom Herman, it can't be an excuse when you're recruiting top 10 classes now like he is. So it's a big deal for Tom Herman to have a really good season. He's got to be playing for a Big 12 title and keep this momentum trending in the right direction. That's what this program is right now. But a good signing day for Tom Herman all in all, or signing period, I guess I should say, for Tom Herman and this Texas Longhorns team. Now for OU, they technically had more four-star commits than did Texas, but Texas had the one five-star, as I mentioned, in Bijan Robinson. So for OU, they've got 14 four-star guys coming into this year's class. 
big deal, good for them, and where you would expect Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley to be, uh, which is year in, year out, top 10 team in terms of recruiting. You know, Lincoln Riley's actually been better than Bob Stoops was the last few years of his tenure when he was recruiting teams that were, you know, by OU standards, subpar, more between 10 and 15. I think they had the occasional class that was between 15 and 20. A couple of them were, I believe. But now Lincoln Riley's got top five, top 10 classes year in, year out, and that's exactly what this team and this program should be doing based on the recent success that it's had and the fact that it is a blue blood. So OU and Texas right where you would expect them to be. Uh, teams that that surprised slash overachieved here in this recruiting cycle for the Big 12, I look to three. I look to TCU, I look to West Virginia, and I look to Kansas State. And we'll go through each of them. TCU closed strong here on, on signing day. They're coming off of a couple of very mediocre seasons, but still Gary Patterson with just 18 commits gets himself a top 30 class, 28th in the country, and third in the Big 12. Considering TCU is not a blue blood, considering TCU has not had, you know, has not had by its own standards good seasons here lately. Two mediocre seasons back-to-back. Last year, 5-7, and seven, could not get out of their own way on the offensive side of the ball. They put together a top 30 class, and that's something that, you know what? When you look at it, you got to say to yourself, it's a great sign. It's a great sign for Gary Patterson to not lose any steam despite the fact that the on-the-field results have not been up to snuff, especially by Gary Patterson's standpoint. So for TCU to close out with the third best by the recruiting rankings on 247, third best class in the Big 12, is a big deal. I'll give West Virginia and Neil Brown some credit coming in with a top 40 class at number 38, especially when he's only got 20 commits. Not a huge number uh, for West Virginia. 20 commits, 38th ranked class in the country, and considering the Mountaineers coming off a rough season, Neil Brown, first full recruiting cycle, I'd like to see it a few spots better. I think TCU, based on the program, based on the facilities, based on the passion around that fan base, should be able to recruit year in, year out a top 30 class. I'll give Neil Brown in his first year a little bit benefit of the doubt here and say, you know what, this is a solid class. He bumped up a few spots in the ranking here to close things out, comes in with a top 40 class. And then I'm going to go down to number 50, and that is Kansas State. 28 commits, 50th ranked class in the country, and in the Big 12 they come in at number 8, which I know is not, you know, not great, right? But, hey, Bill Snyder was basically uh, he was basically 8th. Um, year in, year out, if not ninth. I mean, it was never uh, great on the recruiting trails for Bill Snyder. And considering, most importantly, last year's class, 2019, ranked 63rd. Back in 2018, they ranked 66th in the country. In 2017, they ranked 61st in the country. In 2016, they ranked 72nd in the country. So the trend was not good for Kansas State, until this year. They've now got themselves a top 50 class. It's a great sign for this team and for this program. And, you know, it's a great sign for for what the new coaching staff is doing there. Led, of course, by Chris Kleiman. So thrilled about the direction this program is heading, that they are recruiting better. And I know it's very early. I know it's way too early to start crowing about 2021. But I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there, that the 2021 class for Kansas State is ranked 23rd in the country, top 25 class. And that includes a four-star pro-style quarterback in Jake Rubley from Littleton, Colorado. So, 
Keep an eye on that class for next year. Chris Kleiman might really get this thing humming here in the next couple of years. And I'm going to give K-State credit for by its standards. Yeah, eighth in the Big 12, not great. But by how Kansas State traditionally recruits and has recruited lately, top 50 class is where you want to be. Now, for disappointments in the Big 12 on the recruiting trail as we recap uh, National Signing Day here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us. There's a couple of places I could go and a couple of places I will go. Oklahoma State. And this is, I feel like every year we had this conversation. Why is Oklahoma State recruiting the 44th ranked class in the nation? Why is Oklahoma State recruiting just the 5th ranked class in the Big 12? Why is that happening? (laughs) You're still water. You've had a heck of a program here the past 10 years. The second most successful program in the Big 12 behind OU. You've got a great college town. you got so much going for you. And I know you can say, well, look what he does with these three-star guys. He makes them four-star guys. Well, what could you do with four or five-star guys and turning them into, you know, five-star guys and pros? I just don't get it. And it sounds like a broken record, so I'm not going to harp on it too long. But I just I don't understand how Oklahoma State is not recruiting top 25 classes year in, year out. It should, I'm not going to say it should be easy. This is not an easy process or an easy game. But, man, I mean, you know, and you can't say the recruiting rankings don't matter because who's at the top every year? Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. You know, I get the recruiting rankings get it wrong sometimes, right? Like, I, I understand that. There are three-star guys that turn into NFL pros, same with two- and one-star guys. But those rankings are there for a reason. There's a reason the teams that win national titles are at the top, and it's not because the recruiting rankings are woefully off, all right? It's just uh, it's just not the case. So keep that in mind. Oklahoma State. Iowa State's at 45. You know, I— I'm not sitting there and saying I'm disappointed in Iowa State. I think that Iowa State can recruit at a top 30 to 35 level, but you probably have to rely a lot more on Matt Campbell finding those diamonds in the rough, doing his thing in the Midwest, finding his guys, and then coaching them up. So I'm not going crazy over Iowa State at 45. Texas Tech at 49. Matt Wells' first full recruiting cycle. He's only got 19 guys in this class. Seventh-ranked class in the Big 12, but I expect it a little bit better. I know Lubbock's out of the way. I know it's not an easy place to get to, and even when this team was humming along and program was humming along, they were not necessarily recruiting top 25 classes. That's just not how they were doing things. And when you compare it to where they've been, yeah, okay. I mean, the 2018 class was 72nd. The 2017 class was 49th. They were 44 in 2016, but they were 32 back in 2015. So this program has proven it can recruit top 30 to 35 classes. I think that's where Texas Tech needs to be. So I'm a little disappointed by uh, Matt Wells here in this recruiting cycle. And then you got to go to Baylor at 52. I understand Dave Aranda, new coaching staff, also only 17 commits, so not a ton of guys. They do have three four-star players in this class in James Sylvester, defensive end. Uh, they've got a cornerback, Jade Barron, and then you've got a running back in Tay McWilliams, all four-star guys. So three solid four-stars in this class, a lot of high-end three-stars. And they've got a lot of people coming back because they had to boost up those numbers early in Matt Rule's tenure. So I'm sympathetic to that. I know the numbers are low, but you can't help but say the program that just reached a Big 12 title in a Sugar Bowl 
should not have the second worst recruiting class in the conference, even if the numbers are down and you have a new head coach. Even if those numbers are down and you have a new head coach, 52nd in the country and second to last in the Big 12 is not great. For for KU, you know, the Jayhawks are sitting there at 60. They've been worse off. They were 70 last year. They were 60 the year prior to that, 71 the year prior to that. So 70 the year prior to that in 2016. So that's where they've been. They're on the upswing slowly but surely. This is a massive rebuild for Les Miles. We all know that. And uh, that's about where I expected KU to be. So I don't think that's a uh, uh, exceeding expectations or not meeting expectations. KU, about where I expected them. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Great to have you on board recapping National Signing Day as everything's now in the books. Officially, we can put a bow on that. Coming up, let's talk some Big 12 basketball. Matthew Postens. Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. He'll be here next. Well, as we do each and every time this week during the basketball season, welcome in our Big 12 Hoops insider, Matthew Postens, joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Well, Matthew, I mean, here we are. We're sitting here with uh, two teams in the top three in the country but break it down for us. Kansas, Baylor, who you buying, who you selling? Uh, right now, I'm buying Baylor. I mean, they're the number one team in the country. Uh, they haven't lost since that game in Anchorage against against Washington in November. Um, they've handled everybody in the Big 12, including Kansas, uh, the first time around. So, you know, to me, I feel like they're the better team right now. They're the deeper team. Uh you know, they've got four guards that are tremendous, and when one has a an off game, somebody else inevitably picks up the slack. Uh, they've got a great bench. Uh, they just kind of feel like the team with the momentum right now. I feel like Kansas is starting to figure some things out, though. Christian Brown coming into the starting lineup, I think that's helping them a great deal in terms of giving them some more scoring. Uh, he could easily flow back to the bench once they decide to yeah, if they want to go big, they can go big with Azubikwe and McCormick on the floor at the same time. But I feel like they need at least another consistent contributor off the bench, somebody like Isaiah Moss or somebody like that to give them some more shooting from the uh, from the three-point line. But you know, I'm looking forward to when these teams meet again. Uh, I think it's in February, and it, it's it's going to be one heck of a ball game. But right now, if I'm if I'm pinning my hopes for a national championship on one team, I'm going to take Baylor. So, Matthew, let's then uh, look at some of the other teams in the conference. Texas Tech has that close loss against Kansas on the road on Saturday, and then they bounce back with a Tuesday night victory over the Oklahoma Sooners. Does this seem like a Tech team that's starting to figure it out, or do you still feel like this is just a hot or cold team that doesn't have an identity yet? I think they're starting to think some, figure some things out, and I think they were starting to figure it out even uh, with the loss to Kentucky. Uh, You know, they – they seem to find some some guys that uh, you know found their shooting touch. Davide Moretti had a good game that night. Jamius Ramsey had a good game that night, and they seem to have carried that over here in the next week uh, with uh, the way they played at Kansas, uh, beating West Virginia at home. Then they take care of Oklahoma, and I kind of made the point last week that you know this is a stretch where they could rack up you know three or four wins in a row against lesser competition in the Big Twelve compared to what they're at talent wise, and uh, you know the, the Oklahoma win gives them some good momentum. But I think they're starting to 
realize that as a team, you know, they have more chemistry than maybe they gave themselves credit for or we gave them credit for a month ago because they did have such a rigorous schedule at the beginning of January. And now, you know, just from watching their last couple of games, it, it seems like they've started to figure out whose roles uh, they really need to occupy. Size is still an issue. I mean, they're not a terribly big team, but uh, all the other pieces are starting to fall into place, I think. Matthew Postens, our Big 12 basketball insider, joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Uh, Matthew, you wrote about this this week, and it got some good attention in Oklahoma State land, and that is the fact that, you know, this Cowboys team, I know they got a great recruiting class coming in under Mike Boynton, but, you know, they start off conference play 0-8, and, and it just, for a team that has seniors on it and a core group of seniors, it just doesn't look like it, it's work. It's clearly not working. 0-8 to start big play, it's not working. Uh, what is the state of this program? It's interesting. I was at the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game at last Saturday, and you know Mike Boynton kept talking about the fact that you know, there was one thing that I thought was really curious. He said, you know, at times this team looks inward instead of looking outward and embracing one another. And what he meant by that was when things start to get adverse, instead of coming together as a team, they seem to not necessarily splinter apart, but they they just kind of seem to do their own thing. And that's a really interesting statement to hear a head coach, you know, say in the early February of a conference season. You know, it tells me that despite the fact that they had a, a full starting lineup coming back from last season, despite the fact that they had a good recruiting class coming in that could contribute and a solid transfer coming in and Jonathan Laurent, that, you know, things just have not come together in the way they were hoping. You know, Yorinay has not been the player they were hoping he would be inside. You know, Lindy Waters and Thomas Diagua have had issues shooting the basketball consistently in Big 12 play. Uh, the lineup tinkering that Mike Boynton has done has not worked. Uh, nothing has come together the way that they hoped it would. And I, I think the root of that really is just that they're not playing well as a team. And when you don't play well as a team, especially when you get into conference play, a lot of other issues come to the surface. Nobody sounds terribly frustrated. Nobody sounds terribly angry. And maybe that's just the realization at this point that this team may be nothing more than a 500 team this year. Matthew Postens is our guest here on the show. So, Matthew, if you look at the conference standings, you have really a top three there that we've talked about, Baylor, KU, West Virginia. And then you have a massive group in the middle. Let's say it's Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State at the bottom. Iowa State, K-State are kind of right there in that bottom tier, but not down at OSU level at this point in time. Between Iowa State and K-State, who are you more surprised by with where they are right now? I'm more surprised by Iowa State. I, you know, I think coming into the season, I think we all realized Kansas State was going to take a significant step back, and that's exactly what they've done. But Iowa State had talent coming into the season. They, they had some guys that uh, you kind of felt like if they could put, you know, a good together a good five, six, seven man rotation, they could be competitive in the conference. Uh, but they've, you know, they've suffered at times from the fact that they really haven't had a consistent third scoring option outside of Tyrese Halliburton and Rasir Bolton. Uh, there have been some games where defenses have, defenses have shut down Halliburton to the point where he really hasn't had an impact on the scoring column. And you know, they've they've not been consistently a good team inside either. Um, you know, Solomon Young has had a couple of good games. George Condit's come in in the starting lineup and he's done all right. Right, but you know the consistent interior play that they had last year uh, hasn't quite been there this year. So a lot of factors have led to the fact that they're under 500 in conference play. You know that said, they could you know win a few games, start turning things around, get back to 500, maybe get back to the postseason. But time's running short. If I'm thinking about those two teams and whether they can turn it around to try and qualify for an NIT bid, I'd put my money on Iowa State, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on it. 
Matthew Poston's joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Matthew, we have about a minute or so left. I want to get your thoughts on West Virginia. Uh, the Mountaineers are on the road against Oklahoma this weekend, and you wrote about Bob Huggins uh, passing it off up in the wins column. How uh, are we undervaluing Bob Huggins' coaching career? Uh, I think so to some degree. I mean, when you think about what he did at Cincinnati, I made this point in the piece that uh, is up at HeartlandCollegeSports.com right now. You know, he inherited a Cincinnati team that had been to the NCAA tournament four times since the days of Oscar Robertson in the 1960s. So the turnaround job that he did at Cincinnati was just absolutely massive. You know, once they got back to the NCAA tournament and went to the Final Four, they never missed the NCAA tournament until he left. And, you know, while they're a good program, they're not quite the beast program that they were when he was there. And you think about what he's done at West Virginia now, you know, maintaining the success that John Mayline built and really just lifting his alma mater into the uh, top ten at times this year uh, with the way they've played. Uh, I, I don't think he gets quite the recognition and quite the respect he deserves. He's uh, up for the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, we'll find out in April if he becomes one of the inductees. I'm hoping he gets in. I mean, Bill Self's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, Bill yeah. Self only has, I think, you know, one national championship to his name at this point, and that's not to to denigrate Bill Self in any way. He certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But you know, here's a guy in Bob Huggins who has you know, the seven has the seventh most wins in NCAA history. Uh, he definitely deserves to be there. He deserves to be there at a time where he can enjoy it. Matthew Poston's Heartland College Sports Weekly. Matthew, you're the best. Thanks for the insight, my friend. No problem, Pete. Appreciate it. Coming up next, Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz, will join us on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, before we close out the show, how about a round of applause for Patrick Mahomes? Huh? I mean, former Texas Tech guy taking care of business, winning Super Bowl 54. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. So this Super Bowl this past weekend was actually a, a good one for the Big 12. I think about that. Game-winning touchdown, by the way, Patrick Mahomes to Damian Williams. You know, Big 12 to Big 12 connection there. I, I love it. Mahomes to Williams. That's uh, Red Raider to Sooner. Bing, bang, boom, and away we go. Uh, that that was exciting stuff. You want to include Tyree Kill from his time at Oklahoma State? A lot of Big 12 action on that field on uh, on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Byron Pringle, of course, a K-State guy. I'm sure I'm missing a couple people, but those are the initial ones that come to mind. So I thought that it was a, a good game for the Big 12 because of what you saw as well. I mean, I'm a Chiefs guy because I live in Kansas City. I'm not a diehard fan. I didn't grow up with this team, but I work in Kansas City now. For those of you that live in the area, I you know host a morning show there. It's not a sports show. It's a news show. But we do cover the Chiefs because the Chiefs are oftentimes news in Kansas City. And love watching this team. But the elements of what Andy Reid has done with this offense, there's a lot of Big 12 to it. There's a lot of college to it. Which, by the way, is good for the college game. Is good for the Big 12. You're seeing now the college game influencing the NFL game, which, you know, this does go in cycles, and you do see this. But the biggest reason it's happening 
is because since the NFL and the Players Association has lessened the amount of contact during summer drills and OTAs and things like that, the offensive lines in particular are not what they were. They just aren't. And that's not a knock on you know a lot of really good offensive linemen out there. It's just kind of a state of the game. But when you see some of these college elements and Big 12 elements entering into the game, and we started to see this the past couple of years, but when you see it on the biggest stage, whether it's the Rams last year, the Chiefs this year, it's exciting. But I've been thinking about this with Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes is not playing for a Texas Tech team that goes 5-7 and seven his final year, does he fall to number 10 in the NFL draft where the Chiefs trade up for him and you know get him away from the Buffalo Bills, who we're not going to select him necessarily, but that's who they traded up with to select Mahomes at number 10 in that draft? I don't think so. If Patrick Mahomes had been playing at Ohio State, Alabama, USC, maybe even Oklahoma, he's a top three or top five pick. The fact that this guy played at Texas Tech and this team went five and seven, which is kind of amazing, right? How in hindsight, I love Cliff Kingsbury. I would not have fired him, by the way, two years ago. I made that very clear on this show. I thought he deserved one more year. But how does Cliff Kingsbury go five and seven with Pat Mahomes at quarterback? Well, because the team was terrible on de- absolutely terrible on defense. I, it was it was a train wreck on that side of the ball. Let me run down some of the scores for you, and I know this is going to pain a lot of Texas Tech fans to go down memory lane here. But that year, 2016, Mahomes' final final year, Tech lost to Arizona State 68-55. Lost to Kansas State, 44-38. Lost to West Virginia, 48-17. Oklahoma, 66-59. Lost to Texas, 45-37. Oklahoma State, 45-44. Now, they also lost to Iowa State, and this was a painful one if you're a Tech fan. They lost to Iowa State in 2016. Not not a good Iowa State team. 66-10. How the hell did a Pat Mahomes team lose to Iowa State 66-10? to That right there, that right there is case in point on why Pat Mahomes was available at number 10. If he's at OU and he's getting tutored by Lincoln Riley and that team is in the top 10 in the country, Pat Mahomes does not get overlooked like that and he is not in Kansas City right now and the Chiefs, are not Super Bowl champions right now. It's amazing how that works sometimes and how guys get overlooked. Now, he still was a top 10 pick, so let's not act like he was Tom Brady, you know, sixth rounder here. He wasn't. Still a top 10 pick. And he rose up the boards late. When he declared, he could have come back. He declared, and people were like, you know, late first, maybe a second round guy. But then as they saw the maturity, they saw his rocket of an arm, They saw the athleticism. They saw the smarts between the ears. You know, he wasn't going to fall beyond 10. And kudos to the Chiefs for trading up and saying, you know what, we got to grab this guy. This guy is a quarterback of the future, and that, that program deserves a lot of credit, a lot of credit for what they did and how they got things done there um, in the last couple of years. And now they're Super Bowl champions. But a great weekend. For the Big 12, when you got all these guys making big-time plays, big-time plays all over the field 
on the biggest stage. So the Big 12 doesn't always get a lot of love. Uh, you know, oh, SEC guys and Big 10 guys always get drafted. They get more players selected in the draft. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, you got Mahomes, Super Bowl champion. You got Kyler Murray doing big things at Arizona in his first year with Cliff Kingsbury. And then, of course, you got Baker Mayfield with the Browns, who I thought showed some maturity Super Bowl week doing some of the media interviews. He's like, yeah, I got to scale it back. Got to prove I can win. It's a different beast, different deal. I thought he showed uh, an ability to be contrite, which Baker Mayfield in the past had not shown off. So kudos to him for doing that as well. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Shout out to the Chiefs. Great win, guys. And it's great being here in Kansas City, by the way. I am having a blast. And this town is on fire right now. We'll do it again next week. Same time and same place. We don't stop. We are going straight through all year round, 52 weeks a year. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week on Heartland College Sports Weekly.